This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Can NVIDIA top lofty expectations? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tom Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Hi, Tommy. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. It's nice to see you. Same nice here. To be back. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you back. So we have uh, NVIDIA earnings that are going to cross here after the close. So we'll we'll dive into that in a moment as we get a little closer. Um, and I know you're gonna you're gonna watch your screens for that. But we're also, of course, waiting on the debt ceiling talks. I know everyone thinks we're gonna have a deal. Everybody calls a political theater. But the closer we get to this holiday weekend, do they run the risk of just pushing it too far? Well, I, I am, you can include me on in the ones that think that, you know, the 11th hour, they're gonna come up with some miracle solution and everything um, is fine. Um, you know, I, look, it's a kabuki theater. Uh, we've all talked about it. It started off, you know, they were talking and they were in the White House and it sounded good. And then everything, you know, fell apart and they walked away. And they'll try and figure something out. They may kick the can down the road. Uh, nothing really significant uh, will come out of it, in my opinion. Uh, they're still going to spend too much um, and leave it for future generations to clean up later. And it's 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 kind of senseless. Um, but these are what politicians do. And um, I have my opinions about politicians. Um, you have the greatest line that I tell everyone that we're in a bear market for political leadership at one of our events. You oh, said yeah, that. And I, a, I like, a, that's I the best bear market we now. can all agree on. You know, political, competent political leadership has been in a bear market for a long, long time. And uh, I don't necessarily see us uh, coming out of that bear market anytime soon. Yeah. So let me ask you this for the markets, as far as the markets are concerned with this. Um, what would cause upset for them? I mean, you know, because I think it co slightly complicates it that we're heading into this holiday weekend. Are we going to see a market reaction or is it going to be when if if we go into the weekend and we don't have anything? How do you go into the weekend if there's no deal? Do you just ignore it? I, I, I would I, I hate to say this, but uh, yeah, maybe you do ignore it uh, because they'll they'll find a way to come up with a deal. Um and then everything will bounce. And then it might be the best sell the news type of thing ever, because what's going to happen is then the, the uh, Treasury is going to have to raise, you know, a boatload of debt. And with rates already moving higher, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to, you know, raise that debt without moving rates higher. So it's a uh, I think there's there's real risk after that, because I think you also have a lot of people have talked about it. Uh, there'll be less liquidity in the market. And I think after that, as they uh, start to raise rates, and 
it's just absurd that we have $57 billion uh, remaining on the treasuries uh, in their cash account when we have $31 trillion in debt. It just, uh, don't get me started. It's it's just insane. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that that's like the the line for pretty much everything we see going on um, in DC. So when you say, I just want to be clear, when you say they are going to have to raise rates, they, they, and and you're right, we are starting to talk about it, especially folks coming on our air are talking about it. I think more than it's being spoken about elsewhere. This idea that that's a lot of issuance to absorb. So yeah, I, I'm not saying they're going to raise. They're not raising rates. I think that. Since rates are already pretty elevated and they've they've run up with this debt ceiling um, kabuki theater, I think that they're going to have to raise or they're going to have to uh, issue debt at pretty elevated levels. And who's going to be the buyer there? And uh, I think I think that could be a real risk uh, for the overall market. Yeah, I saw it for the overall market. I saw someone I think asking related to that is is you know are bonds the most dangerous trade? I think they were saying is the two year the most dangerous trade, but um, that that's a big problem for both bonds and stocks if there's not enough there are not enough buyers to meet that issuance, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I I'm not sure that I could say bonds are the the, the biggest risk in the market right now. I think there's lots of risky things out there. Uh, but look at the volatility that we saw just a little while ago in the two year, we had, you know, hundred basis point swings. And that was, uh, that was pretty extreme and really caught a lot of people off guard. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, the commitment of traders data shows that, uh, you know, bond futures are, are super net short. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe those, you know, large funds that mostly are out their their positions are super short because they're going to be buyers of that debt. They will cover um, their their bond short uh, with with this issuance. Uh, it's something that uh, I've thought about. I'm not quite sure. Um, it's just sort of a thesis uh, that I'm I'm putting it out there. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. It's a good one. Okay. So um, Bo is asking a question. A lot of people excited to see you right out of the gate. What's your nice. take on the quality of earnings and the amount of first quarter beats we've seen? That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually really pretty surprised uh, with the quality of earnings uh, that that came out. Uh, honestly, I, I thought we'd see uh, more demand destruction, and we we have seen that. Uh, we're starting to see it sort of happen now. We've seen some of the retailers, uh, and I I, I watch. Uh, consumer stocks pretty closely. We've seen a lot of them start to, you know, really say that the consumer's starting to slow down. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, the the halt, crash type thing. It's just I think that they're spending less uh, when they go to Target or Walmart or uh, some of the others that, that out there, and that is the early stages of what happens ahead of a recession. And, and my base case is that we're still going to see a recession, and um, when I, I I can't tell you, but I think that that's definitely on the horizon. Perhaps um, we'll see something moving closer to that uh, third quarter. Mm. So we've had, I mean, a lot of people are anticipating this recession, right? And yet we've seen these technology stocks just rocket higher. A lot of people missed it. A lot of people weren't expecting it. Um, and we we started off the show talking about NVIDIA, which has really been leading the pack. Um, 
<laughs> this stock seems like going into this earnings, it seems like it's just priced to perfection. How are yeah. you thinking about that ahead of the release? I think it's trading around 30 times earnings. And last week we saw it go up, you know, their entire year, year's worth of earnings in a day. Um, and so I think that it's just, um, it's getting a little obscene. And, you know, look, I think NVIDIA is a great company. They're completely mispriced. Uh, I, I I will be honest, I bought them at like 120 and I sold it way, way too early. And I thought I was a genius for selling it. But uh, it uh, it's at this place, uh, it's it's gotten a little uh, over its skis to say the least. And the funny thing about NVIDIA is they're, they're genius at reinventing themselves with their their, their products and, and what they, the markets they go for. I mean, it used to be, let's go back. It was crypto mining at one point. It was data centers, which is still there. And it's a big part of their business. And that part is starting to slow. Uh, they went up on the announcement of the metaverse spending by Meta. They were big in crypto or not crypto during COVID with uh, laptops and desktops. They were autonomous driving uh, play at one time. So they're now it's all AI. And I have a bet on how many people, how many times they're going to say AI on their conference call. And um, I, I think it's, I, I mean, I went low and I said it was 50, but uh, I heard Google said it 125 times on their conference call. I think every look, I think AI is really it exciting. It's new and um, it'll be a, a cool technology. I think that it's just a little ahead of themselves. And, um, I think that uh, we have a clip from Peter Bachbar that I, I saw that uh, I can comment uh, after. Yeah, so let's let's get to that because he was okay, also yeah he was talking about um, on the show earlier this week just concerned around some of the hype around AI. So let's have a listen and we'll talk talk on the other side. But I need to make an important point here is that the top ten, like well, top eight stocks, are doing business with the other four hundred ninety two, and look at the Russell two thousand which is near its, it's close to its October lows. So the 2000 stocks in the Russell, the other 492, so you're talking about 2,500 stocks about, these eight companies that everyone's piling into, their customers are the other 2,500. We all breathe the same economic air. So you can't have it on a sustainable basis, eight stocks going up and everything else going down. Either everything else is gonna catch up or the eight stocks are gonna experience some gravity. And if AI, which is extraordinarily impressive, we all agree, is going to do so much for the economy and productivity and efficiency, well, the 2,500 that are using AI should really see a benefit. But the market's not giving them any benefit. They're just giving benefit to the companies that are going to be sort of creating some picks and shovels. So there, there, there needs to be, so, so this, this, this is not just a, a technical analyst theoretical debate of, okay, a few stocks are leading the way, and that that typically portends this. You know, there is a fundamental sort of disconnect that's happening here when, like I said, 2,500 stocks are going down and eight are going up, considering that they all do business together. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Raul has been uh, doing a lot on AI in his Exponential Age series, and we have a lot more interesting stuff coming up, which we will tell you more about next week, but you need to be a member for a lot of it. So scan the QR code and come on and join our community. Um, so Tom, uh, inter- interesting point that that Peter brought up, I think. Does the narrow nature of the rally worry you? Well, one thing that Peter brought up also is that you know you have very few companies that are really developing this AI technology. and and I think it's just it's super early in the uh, formation. and And if you went back and you looked at the the dot com period, uh, it was just everybody had a new company, and they were all putting their you know, their products online and selling it. And so it was opened up a whole new opportunity. So I, I think it's a it's he's right. it's it's very few companies uh, currently that are gonna, you know, really crush it. But it will be uh, technology that we'll all be using, and it'll almost seem as seamless as using, you know, just Googling something, I, I think. Yeah. So it will have that effect, but we're just not there yet. Right. Because if like three companies are are trading like it's this revolution, but all the other ones aren't, then there's something's up. Either they're early yeah. or we're on the cusp, but but it's hard to reconcile. I like when you said they breathe the same economic air. It's like, what's going on? I think that's what we're all trying to figure out, right? Yeah. Does somebody have the the answer? Well, you you just asked me about uh, market uh, the narrowness of the market, and you know we've we've all and I'm I do it all the time. I talk about um, attribution, and there's seven stocks that have led you know the majority of the market higher. And you know one thing that I think is important to look at is that the the majority of stocks peaked on February second this year, and January was a legitimate short squeeze. Uh, you had really offside positioning going into the, the beginning of the year, and shorts got squeezed. Uh, the Russell went up, I think, 15%, and it's you know below that level now, I think. Uh, but if you think about it, so let me just give you a couple stats. The NDX is, has, for year-to-date, has 77 stocks up and 24 down. Uh, if you went and looked at from February 2nd, oh, actually, I'll give you the, the S&P has 248 up, 260 down. And there's always, you know, additions and some taken out, so you got to add a couple more. But if you go and you look at the um, from February second, uh, the NDX has 47 up and 54 down, so you actually have negative breadth there, and it's up 10% since that that period. And then if you go and you look at the S&P, this is really important. If you go to the S&P and you look at from from February second, it's up uh, 13 basis points from February 2nd. And you have 134 stocks up and 373 stocks down. So I, I somebody on Twitter said, are we in a bull market or is it still a bear market? And I'd, I'd say that that last stat saying that there are more stocks down from that February 2nd uh, level, uh, it tells me that everything is very narrow. Um, and mm. here's the risk. If, and I've done this, you know, for a hundred years and I've, I've studied this. What happens is when you have these narrow stocks going higher, one by one, they start to fall off. And if you have an overbought market because of just those stocks, 
and everything else is very oversold, uh, those big ones, if they come down, they will push the major indices lower. And guess what else happens? Those oversold stocks that are already on shaky ground will move lower as well. And it's not going to be necessarily this reversal where you have small cap and mid cap start to outperform. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe relatively they'll outperform, but I still think that there's, I mean, maybe they'll go down a little less than some of the big mega cap names. So that is something that I'm watching. And we haven't seen uh, NVIDIA come out, but I did add, I'm, I got one. I got. I was. I shorted Snowflake today, and it's down thirteen percent after hours. So, good for you. Somebody I, else. Somebody else in the chat was um, was also talking about a position in Snow going into it. Why were you short that? What What were you looking at in that stock? Uh, you know what? There's just there's it not. A, I look at a lot of short interest, and and the stock has had a really big run up into the numbers, and I, I mean, I think I think the stock is you know it's, it's another one that's super overvalued at 170 times earnings. Um, and I, I think that you're starting to see some of the weakness go through enterprise technology stocks. And, and we started to see it through a few others um, in hardware. Cisco is one of them, Intel. But this is one where I, um, I think that you're start, going to start to see some software companies that have had really big moves mm. uh, come back uh, and discover gravity. Yeah, Michael was the one holding snow. Do you think it drops more by the weekend? Like, do you think this is the beginning of the reversal or this is a pretty big move down? It's it's down 12, 13%. So I, I might just I might just cover it uh tomorrow and, and take the W. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um so I know I know we're we're gonna get NVIDIA out, but but on the chip sector, somebody just by the way, the, the chat's on fire today, y'all. It's it's a lot of good comments in here. Um someone's talking about political risk around chips with China, China US relation, relations. Right. It's something that doesn't come up a lot. By the way, there is a meeting, a high-level meeting between the Commerce Secretary and Chinese counterpart at the Washington in Washington. I, in, I believe it's Thursday, there's a dinner. Um, some headlines about hoping to mend repairs, but as you and I were talking when we came on air, Tommy, there's uh, reports crossing about Microsoft and you know Chinese infiltrating communication systems. So you know there just seems to be every time they try to get stuff back on track, another reason for tensions flaring. Are we thinking enough about political risk around the chip sector? Well, we've already seen some with the semiconductor capital equipment, where the U.S. government is basically put some big restrictions on the US companies of selling their wares to China for their development of more chips. So I think that's already happened. Um, and I, I think that uh, that I think we had Micron this week where they said that they're going to ban Micron chips uh, because of a security risk. I mean, you know, I think that they could basically do whatever they want. The real risk is if they go after some really big name U.S. companies and put restrictions on them. And I'm talking about, I mean, the nuclear one would be Apple. I don't necessarily see that happening. I think Tim Cook has a pretty good relationship uh, with the Chinese uh, government. I, I mean, I think he's the best CEO um, in the business because he really does know how to uh, work all political parties all over the world. And so I think that would be the nuclear one. I mean, you always have Tesla mentioned in there as well. I don't know. I, I think that they're gonna they're gonna go back and forth and um, 
do this little cold war with using technology as the the weapon. Speaking of um, CEOs and politics, um, Tesla, it seems like Elon Musk is getting more involved than we might have thought he was. Um, interesting move, certainly for political watchers. Um, what do you think about the impact on the stock? Would they? Would there be one? Should he get more visible and engaged in the? Some people are kind of referring to him as the Ailes now, the Roger Ailes of the. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I look, I, I, I think that anytime a CEO goes out of his way to bring in some political discourse or bias. I think that causes a risk for their their business because it will. I mean, we're so polarized; it could uh, alienate some of his core. Uh, I mean, his core consumer is has been, you know, the the green type people, liberals. Uh, California is, you know, a huge market. So I, I don't think it necessarily is a is a good idea. But that's Elon, and Elon does what Elon wants to do. And I don't think anybody's going to tell him. Uh, I think that's a bad idea, Elon. He's going to just fire you then. <laughs> this is true. A um, couple questions coming in about DMARC signals. J uh, John asking, what's the most interesting DMARC signal you're seeing right now? Okay. Uh, I, I, will, I will post this on Twitter, uh, but on SPY and QQQ, uh, we do have, uh, and I didn't think we'd get this signal because it's it's sort of, it takes some steps, but on SPY and QQQ on the daily, we have the DeMarc Combo Exhaustion 13, and that uh, has been a very good signal. And when you do get these signals, uh, the, the rule of thumb is after 10 days or within 10 days, you should expect some sort of price reversal or uh, at least uh, some sort of stalling um, because the buyers basically last buyers bought and it just exhausts itself that way. So I think those are the two that I'm watching the most. I think the markets should pull back. I mean, I, I will say, you know, 5% is sort of a no brainer, but I think also uh, a 10% or more is, would probably be a healthier thing. I mean, there's, I could, you know, if you get me going off, you know, offline, I can tell you, you know, some of the really deeper, you know, worries that I have where the markets could go. But, uh, you know, look, again, we've had seven stocks moving the market higher. And if those decide to uh, fall out of bed, I think then, you know, the market could be down. It could be down 20%. I, I think we're just still going to be in this, this long range for quite a while. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So uh, we've got a couple questions about the dollar. Are you watching the dollar? Ed asking question for Tommy. With all the treasury debt coming at us, dollars getting sucked out of the system, student debt repayments potentially starting up again in a few months, what happens to the U.S. dollar? Well, everybody's, oh, so NVIDIA's up 10%. So wow. there you go, market saved. 
Yay. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of, we'll see if you know, it stays there. That's kind of surprising. Everyone had kind of been report, thinking obviously. that this thing was looking really toppy, right? So once again, that's a big uh, look, move. I, I, the data that I have, it, it, there, there aren't really a lot of people short NVIDIA okay. uh, the, from what we have. Well, and, from a sentiment perspective, everyone keeps thinking. So the question is always, gosh, do I get in here? It's so high. Who would possibly chase this thing higher? Well, you know, one of the problems you have is you have people that are indexed to the S&P, they, or they, they're, that's their benchmark, and they have to stay, uh, you know, with the S&P. So they, they ha they're forced to buy those seven stocks and the ones that are leading. And NVIDIA, up 11%, is one of those, and they have to be buyers. And, uh, you know, look, I think the stock's completely overvalued. Um, I have no position in it. I was short. Uh, took a little uh, loss on it, uh, and uh, nothing, you know, too major. But uh, bottom line is, I think that it's it's overdone. Um, but you know, it's AI. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, do you think it's going to carry? Well, we'll get back to that dollar question in a second. We haven't forgotten, Ed. Yeah, okay. Do you, Let me do you Let's let's answer the dollar question, then we'll okay, go back. So, to so we've had a lot of people that that have been really vocal. Stan Drucker Miller saying that the, the dollar is going down. That's his biggest uh, position or his biggest conviction call. And and I don't like to you know say oh Stan no I think you're wrong, um, never. But I've been watching the dollar go up, and we actually have a potential for a Demark uh, countdown to start. Um, or it started actually, uh, so we could see the dollar move up, and then, you know, you know, really, you know, cause some problems. Uh, I think the dollar going up is a problem for U.S. companies because you've had the dollar. The dollar down has been sort of a tailwind for earnings for U.S. companies, and if it goes up, I think it'll become a, a headwind again. Uh, so we'll see how far it goes. It's it's made a pretty good move off the lows. Um, so that's. Generally, it. I think that uh, when when you have difficult markets and markets that are more under turmoil, you're going to see the dollar move higher. And um, I'm not I'm not saying the dollar's not done going up. I think it could, but uh, it it and it definitely has potential to to keep moving. Yeah, it's interesting because there's I think the longer term thesis about you know the dollar decline, but then you have these short term issues. Um, and there, as you point out, are a lot more people on that side who are just not sure about the dollar going down right now and see some reasons for it to go up. So I'm seeing a big divide on your on depending on what your time horizon is. Um, yeah. Semis, do you think semis are going to get a lift from this Nvidia news? Like, could that spill over to the wider sector? Is this an Nvidia story only? Well, I'm looking at a bunch of them after hours moving higher, and uh, yeah, they're they're going to get the lift. But you know, you know, it's really you know, I mean, like AMD's up 7% and they've moved up and their earnings were atrocious and their guidance was terrible. And they've moved up so much with the thought that they are now going to get into AI and they're going to be a big beneficiary. And maybe they will. But I think that these stocks are just well, well, too far, in it, uh, too far uh, gone. I mean, look, NVIDIA's at 348. It's up 14%. I, I you know... Markets do these types of things. I'm glad I'm not short. Um, you know, yeah, I'd love to be long, but just I don't have the stomach to buy a company at the valuation where it's at or 
where it was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to jump around a little bit because we got a lot of different questions. Trillion okay. X asking, what's your view on home builders? I am, I'm currently short home builders and they've had an enormous run. I think that as uh, they really started their run as interest rates peaked last year, late uh, last year, and as interest rates have come down, it's really moved uh, people into, okay, now it's time to go buy a house. And there's no inventory on the market because everyone is locked into their, if you bought a house in the last 10 years, you're locked into a very low interest rate. So you're not gonna sell. And the only game in town is to buy something new. And, you know, so they have a, they've had a nice tailwind uh, with that type of thesis, but I, I'm short, I think they're overdone. Uh, the, the good news is, you know, moving these, move the stocks higher. Uh, but now I think that, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can sell them here. I think that's with, especially with, I think I saw the, the 7% uh, interest rate on the 30 year fixed something. I think that's going to be uh, difficult for a lot of, a lot of buyers uh, to get involved at, with those interest rates. I mean, you can always, you can always refi later as rates go lower, but you can't really refi your cost basis. So that might be an issue. I, I, I think it's, um, it's a, it's a unique market right now for home builders. It's a great point about people being locked in and not being able to move. Um, especially Americans mm -hmm. don't think that, you know, people move a lot here usually if, if, and they had when rates are low, but if you've now looking at a substantially higher rate, you're going to think long and hard about doing that. I think. And, and that's, you know, one other thing to think about is that, you know, people people tend to sell their houses, or they get forced to sell their houses if unemployment starts to move higher. Uh, if they lose their job, it's it's a pretty simple way to say, okay, honey, we got to sell the house because um, I got laid off from you know they created a job with AI and now I'm extinct. Um, but then the other problem is if they if they really can't go out and buy a new house because rates are high, so they have to go and rent something and rents are continuing to go higher. And I think that's a sticky part of inflation that uh, it, it's really getting difficult for people to afford living in in cities or, um, you know, really anywhere. I mean, New York City, I think the average rent was now over $4,000 a month. And that's, that's, that's tough for a lot of people. It's it's insane, but New York's always always been crazy. And that, and that amid all the reports, how everyone's fleeing New York for the South and still, we're looking at rents like that. Um, wanted to ask, wanted to have you respond to this. Christopher put a really interesting tidbit in the chat. Jupiter in London is a big seller of two-year treasuries. They think no chance of Fed rate ease this year. Yeah, I don't think the Fed's going to cut this year. The only way the Fed's going to cut is if, um, if you start to see unemployment spike higher, claims move higher. I think that's that, and if there's some sort of event, some catalyst that uh, causes the Fed to necessarily step in, if there's some systemic issue that um, some break in the market or something, um, that will be the only way the Fed's going to do anything. I think the Fed still is at risk of, of raising rates further. Uh, I, I'm pretty much in the camp that, uh, depending on the data that comes out in the next two weeks, that they're going to pause, but they might uh, go again and they may have to pause and then hike more if inflation doesn't come down. And the two things that I mentioned, 
I think we talked about it in January when I was on, two risks. Inflation doesn't come down fast enough and it stays sticky or uh, inflation starts to move higher again. And that is a real possibility, especially if energy prices start to you know, rear their ugly head and lift higher, especially if the Biden administration is really done, you know, emptying the SPR and mm. creating a, a low prices uh, sort of artificially for 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 crude and gasoline prices. Yeah, I'm going to sneak one more in because we have but lots of people saying hello, waving hello. One more in because we have a couple questions on this and I don't want to f- uh, ignore green avocado. <laughs> it has been asking about if DXY is going higher, do you think gold will move lower? I want to be long, but I keep looking at that triple top. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a position in gold, uh, but I, I did short the gold miners pretty well, um, a lot higher. And it was sort of the same thing. I thought the dollar could move higher. And I had some of the indicators that I use and market sentiment on gold uh, was at extreme levels. And so I, I shorted the gold miners. And I mean, I'm down, you know, I got a 10% gain or something, but I still think that it could go lower. And I'm not necessarily the type that I want to short gold, especially here. Silver has been a better short, in my opinion. But I don't know. I, I think that it's there's, there's risk. There's risk of, of gold going lower. I mean, there's two buyers of gold always. They're the ones that always buy gold. They're the gold people that never sell. They just love gold. They talk about it every day. And that's the first type. The second are the ones that see when gold is going up, oh, I got to get gold because because of this problem or that problem. And it's green and it's moving higher. So they're touristy types that, that buy that. And I think those people are the ones puking it now um, as, it, as it's moved lower. So that does create an opportunity. I'd like to buy gold somewhere, but uh, I'm not quite sure um, exactly if we're if we're a level yet to buy it. And Brian, I think that answered part of your question as well. Tom, we're out of time, but it was fantastic to see you. Thank you, thank you for breaking down that in video with us. It's going to be one to watch as it rockets well, thank higher. Thank you for we having me, it. and uh, it's great. It's great being back. And hello to all the Real Vision viewers. And um, you know, let's do this again. Uh, it's always fun doing it when we have like live action going on. I know, right, I know. Right you always you, you always have those screens up, and we love it. So thanks so much, Tommy. We'll see you soon. Thanks all right, to all care. of you for the great questions and the great chat. We'll see you again tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.